And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 244. My name is Brando. Fun one for you today. Two really awesome guys. We get to talk to, of course, uh, about Guns N' Roses, amongst many other things. But coming up a little bit later on, we are going to speak to paranormal investigator. That's right. Steve Gonzalez. You may know him from Ghost Nation, uh, Ghost Hunters, Discovery. Uh, every single Saturday, there's a new episode. He has a new documentary out, The House in Between. And what is he, what is he doing on Appetite for Distortion? Well, he likes Guns N' Roses, for one. But this is something I've always, I like to do. Yeah, we can interview rock stars every episode, and I'll be happy, of course. But to get the the random people, the, you know, the, the high profile. Yes, I want to continue to get your story, the fan, and many, thank you to so many of you who are reaching out. They don't want to talk about other uh, events, other concerts, famous concerts in Guns N' Roses history. So we're going to do more episodes. Uh, we're going to revisit through you, the GNR fan. We're going to revisit, revisit other concerts in the future, but. To get a high-profile guy uh, like Steve, Steve Gonzalez, uh, you know he's he's been he's popular, you know. And I, I put it out there on social media. Do you believe in ghosts? Prior to announcing uh, his his uh, him coming on the podcast, and it was split. Many of you have had your own experiences, but like again, other than yeah, he's a GNR fan. I thought it would be funny because even though Axel said this in jest, if you remember a few years ago. Uh, when Not In This Lifetime started, and I believe the show was in Houston during not uh, November Rain. During November Rain, the you know the, the keys of the, the piano just started going awry. Axel stopped the song. Everyone was like, oh, this is it. Finally, it's going to implode. And he laughed it off and was blaming ghosts for breaking the piano. You remember that? So I thought it would be fun to talk to Steve about could that be possible? Could a ghost, a spirit, inhabit an instrument, a rock and roll instrument? Could it be possible? So we'll hear from Steve Gonzalez in about a half an hour. Okay, so stick around for that. But first, really looking forward to this. Ricky Warwick from Thin Lizzy, Black Star Riders. You know, he used to play, of course, with Richard Fortas in Black Star. So there's a lot of GNR talk we're going to have with him. He has a new solo album coming up very soon, just a few days away. Uh, when Life Was Hard and Fast, out January 29th. And Dizzy Reed appears on a few tracks on the new solo record. So we're going to talk to him about that right now. Hey, Ricky. Hello, can I talk to Brandon, please? This is he. Hey, Brandon, it's Ricky Warwick. How are you? Good to hear from you. You too. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. You know, I, I was uh, expecting... An accent, and I don't know why I'm surprised by it. It, caught, it caught, took me off guard for whatever reason. I'm so being in New York. I'm just used to, <laughs> hey, yeah, move out of the way. But, right, 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 right. <laughs> where are you calling from, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, absolutely. I'm calling from uh, Los Angeles. 
Okay. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you. Um, cause I guess, cause I have a lot of fans where you're from and I'm trying to bring it up, uh, now cause I have one of my diehard listeners that is like right around the corner. Hold on, I'm almost, uh-huh. he says, uh, Jason, I want to make sure I give him a, a, a shout out. He's from, uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it again. I'm a, I'm a dumb American, uh, new Townsend. Okay. Yeah. New Townsend. New Townsend co down Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland. Would it be uh, Newtonard? That sounds proper. County Down, <laughs> County, 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 County Down. How do I? How do I say it? Uh, but my hometown is a town called Newtonard, so it's spelled N E W New as a new Newtown as in T Newtonards, Newtonards, Newtonard. Okay, got it. Okay. You got it, man. Uh, and it's in, it's in the and it's in the county of Down. Okay, so he says he uh, he's a small town, literally two minutes from my uh, from my small town. He played a bar there right. once and just happened to have uh, his friend yeah. Joe Elliott with him, who did a couple couple numbers too, which I had been there right. for a beer that night. Right. So, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people just exci- in addition to me that are excited to, to talk to you today because you're, you're you. a busy guy. Thank you. I try to be. So did, I mean, this is like, I, I hate asking this question, but it's it's the obvious one. Did, did 2020 screw up plans for your new uh, solo album? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, no, it didn't screw up. This, it didn't affect the solo record at all. It screwed up plans for my other band, Black Star Riders, in a big way because we we had just put a a new Black Star Riders record out at the end of 2019, and we we were lucky enough to get in a European run of about six weeks. Mm. Uh, and then 2020 was supposed to be spent, you know, playing all over the world, promoting the Black Star Riders record, festivals in Europe, and you know, shows here in the states and South America, blah blah blah. So obviously that all got pulled. Um, but the solo record was recorded in um, April of 2019 before the pandemic. And I always, it was always planned to be released in February of 2021 due to the fact that I was planning on being on the road with Black Star Riders okay. for, for, 20, for 2020. So it didn't affect it directly at all. It really didn't. Oh, that's good. Because I wasn't sure, yeah, if it, you know, kind of put Black Star Riders, it, it gave you through a monkey wrench and things and... Like oh maybe now no I have you know time. We, we you know we plan you know and we schedule with our management you know I, I refer to Black Star Riders as a day job and that takes priority and usually when we finish an album cycle you know a touring cycle we will take a year off to, for everybody else is involved and in other other music you know for everybody to go off and do 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 their other things and um, you know uh, twenty twenty one was is go, is going to be that year so nothing really changed the only thing that's sad is we didn't get the year of touring last year right. that we planned with Black Star Riders. Right on. So, I mean, we could talk about Black Star in a little bit, but I want to talk sure. about uh, When Life Was Hard and Fast, your new solo al- album that's coming out in just a few days, uh, January, January 29th. So it's, it's actually uh, coming out fe- February 19th. I think I don't, uh, I think you, you, I got the old yeah, info. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might be, getting, might be getting some old info there from, from, from my boy Chip, but uh, yeah, other label. Yeah, no, February 19th worldwide. Okay. Okay. All right. So more, more time because, I mean, for me, got about a month. Got about a month. Okay, because I got to hear the record, so I'm excited for other people to hear it because it's good. Thank you, thank you so much, thank you. And you had a lot of people work on this, you know, as well. So I guess, how did you put this together? Because it, it was—is it kind of like the brainchild of you and Keith Nelson, the uh, former uh, member of Buckcherry? Was it? Yeah, you know, Keith and I were the main guys. You know, I approached Keith. Um, about co-producing it and, and I had the guts of the album written and producing it and, and asked Keith to finish writing the thing with me. Um, 
and Keith has a great little studio here in LA. Um, so predominantly it's me and Keith. And then, you know, we put together a band to record the backing tracks, which featured uh, Robbie Crane from Black Star Riders and Xavier Muriel, who was, he was also Xbox Cherry. And then when we did the backing tracks on those guys departed, and it was really me and Keith in the studio. But like you said, you know, I'm very blessed in that I have some wonderful, wonderful friends, first and foremost. And those friends happen to be insanely talented artists. And I happen to be big fans of what they do. So the great thing about doing a solo record, um, Brandon, is you get to be a narcissist and you can reach out to all these people and have them play on your record without pissing off anybody else in your band. <laughs> you know, and, and it's what's great is because you get somebody like Joe Elliott to sing backing vocals, right? So he's not. Yeah. So how does that happen? Because that goes to show he doesn't need to be the guy. He's kind of just adding to you. So how sure, do, right? Is no, but you know, Joe and I go way back. Joe's one of my dearest, closest friends. I mean, I was Joe's best man at his wedding. Oh, okay. And Joe's Joe's been very inspirational in, in supporting me and believing in me um, in my solo career when I started way back in in sort of two thousand and one. Um, Joe produced my first two solo records and sang on them. Uh, so we're really tight friends and he chose my sounding board, you know, um, you know, you're not going to argue with a guy that sold 150 million records and, uh, I'll send Joe stuff I'm working on because I value his opinion and he'll always tell me the truth, which I really respect. Sometimes I don't want to hear it. Sometimes I don't necessarily agree with it, but he gives me a great perspective on what I'm doing and it's been a great ally and a great friend and a great believer in me. Uh, and Joe's a humble guy, you know, for everything that Joe's achieved and done, which is, phenomenal he's still very much a fan and still very much in it for all the right reasons and uh you know i i, I sent him the song i said you know will, will you sing on this he's like yeah no problem and you know the song's back in my inbox and then in two days time with his wonderful vocals on there and uh you know i can't say enough good things about the guy that's great i was lucky enough to have him briefly on this podcast and he sounds a lot like you just a very down-to-earth yeah person he is man we were you know working class boys i don't think we ever really forgot where we came from i don't mm. think ever we were privileged and, and, and honor that the position that we're in to, to 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 be where we're at and fulfill our dreams that we had when we were kids and uh you know joe's very similar not being to me and uh yeah he's he's, he's he's a good guy he's a good guy to have on your team I would love to talk to you about is uh there's another person that contributed to the record and that's Dizzy Reed uh -huh. of uh, of Guns yeah. N' Roses and I was yeah. I was just talking to Fat Mike of No FX and Dizzy has worked uh -huh. with, with him as well and you know sure. Dizzy's got his solo record he's got uh, you know Hookers and Blow his other band so I, he's a yeah. busy guy too so how did you uh, get Dizzy and he plays on three tracks he plays on a few tracks he plays on three tracks well you know I I, I actually wrote a track on Dizzy's so um, I co-wrote the track um, and this don't seem like Vegas, right. uh, which was his first single. And right. I played on it. I played, I played guitar on that as well. That's right. You know, Dilly, I, I met Dizzy through Dell James. Dell uh, sure. looks after Guns N' Roses and Dell's a writer and Dell's written novels. And, you know, Dell and I have been friends forever too. And got to know Dizzy, you know, I've, I've lived in LA for 16 years. I've gone up and jammed with hookers and blow, you know, over the years. And Dizzy's just a friend, but the great thing with these, these people in terms of friends, you know, I, I'm a fan of what they do and they, they just help to be extremely talented. And the good thing about Dizzy being here in LA was Dizzy was one of the special guests that we could actually get into the studio and, 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 and actually get him in the room and, and see him play because he's here where we were making the record. And he's just, he's just great. You know, he's just a great dude. He came down and, and nailed it and uh, absolutely 
thrilling to have him on the record. Right on. And I got to keep with the theme because you know, you're, you're on Appetite for Distortion, uh, of course. Um, of the, course. The theme with GNR. This is a question, though, from another listener excited to hear from you. Uh, James yeah. William, uh, he, he says, ask him about working with Richard Fortas and joining Guns N' Roses on tour uh, in 2002 as Thin Lizzy. It was just before they became Black Star Writers. That, That's right. Yeah, so that 2002 tour introduced me to Lizzy and Ricky. Uh, I met him yeah, at Scott in 2013, and he was gracious about mm-hmm. GNR and Axel. Yeah, man. Um, that tour was actually 2012. It was 2012 in the UK that we did that. Oh, I, 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 he wrote it right. I, 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 I've been awake since no 3 a.m., so I can't read it anymore. That's, 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 that's <laughs> totally, totally cool. Um, you know, they, the Guns guys are all Lizzy fans, and we get asked to do the tour, and it was, it was amazing. You know, obviously, like I said, I, I'd already known Dizzy prior to that. I knew Dell James that works in the camp very, very well. Dell's a good friend of mine. You know, I, I knew quite a few guys that were in the band. I, I knew Tommy Stinson was playing bass. I'd, I'd known Tommy um, for, for quite a while. So, and Axel, I met Axel from my days in the Almighty. Axel was a fan of the Almighty. Axel was when, when the Almighty came over and played the Cat House way back in the day. Axel was there. And okay. So, you know, there was, there was, there was a great connection and, it was amazing. You know, it was amazing. It was amazing to be open up for, for guns, you know, on that tour and, and being in Finn Lizzie and going out every night and playing those Lizzie songs to the Guns N' Roses crowd was just killer, as you could imagine. And, you know, I thought we got treated extremely well on that tour. I really did. Um, you know, I mean, Axel was, was still doing his thing where he, he wasn't really going on on time, which obviously he's since kind of put that to bed now but at that point it was still it was still I think it was still an issue you know um, for whatever reasons and you know there was, there was plenty of times where we'd be walking to the stage and about to go on and we'd get turned around and go nope back to your dressing room you know you gotta wait for another hour Axel's not in the building yet or or you know some a couple of times it was like can you guys play for like an hour and 20 minutes tonight you know <laughs> so it, was, it was interesting but Axel's never been nothing but gracious to me He's never been nothing but polite and, and supportive of me, you know, and I take people as I find them, you know, and, and so I can't comment on, you know, other people's experiences. My experience with Axel, with Axel, I've been great. And um, that was a great tour. That was a really, really, really good tour to be on. Honestly, and, and it's not like I ever go searching for the negative. Every person I've had mm-hmm. on here that has inter- had interaction with Axel has sung his praises. And it's not like they're always selling something or trying to get in his good graces or whatever. Sure. I've just, sure. I think it's just a lot of media twisting stuff. Yeah. Look, I, yeah. I, I'm not afraid. If somebody's an asshole, I'll, call, I'll say they're an asshole. I'm not going to hold back. But, you know, like I said, nothing but, you know, you know, right. actually would, would bring us into the green room and, we, you know, we have a few drinks with him after the show a couple of times. And, you know, at the end, of, at the end of the tour, you know, he, he bought, he bought everybody in the, and then Lizzie, he gave us he gave us all a gift, you know. Thanks for coming out. Here's here's a present. Am I allowed you to know? ask what that gift is? Yeah, is he, he gave he gave us all you know little boombox, you know little uh, little portable um, little speakers, really really good ones. Okay. Uh, and you know, you know that's that's amazing. That doesn't often happen, you know. And and uh, so I can't say nothing bad about it. I'm a Guns N' Roses fan, so it's an honor to, to, to share those boards. Right on. And before I just move on from that, do you have a favorite GNR song that maybe you like to sing? I don't know if you've ever 
Uh, I've never, I've never signed, you know, actually, no, they're not, not really in my range. Okay. Um, you know, but, um, I, you know, it's going to be something off, um, um, appetite for destruction. I mean, I, I, you know, I think, um, I mean, um, uh, Dr. Brownstone's a great song, you know what I mean? Mr. Brownstone, sure. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Brownstone, well, Dr. Stone, I'm sorry. No, Mr. that's all right. No, he went to a uh, medical school. You know, and then uh, he, he moved yeah, on he, from uh, he, selling drugs he, to being a doctor. He, he, he got his chemicals right right before he became and then dropped the doctor. Yeah. You know. Right on. <laughs> you know, I, I want to ask about this because, again, it's it's more of just, you know, the, the quote unquote big names that contribute to the, the new record. But your your daughter's on it, you know. And yeah, sure. So can you tell us about that yeah, that song and uh she's she yeah. she's young she's like how how young is she she like she's thir- she's 13 now she was 11 okay. when we recorded that oh wow that's cool so she's only she was only 11 you know the song's about her i wrote the song for her and we were recording it and um she was really uh, was really starting to get into music she started playing the violin and the guitar and every night she'd be in her room singing and you know, I hear a voice and, 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 and I was like, this, this kid's got a great voice. You know, listen, honestly, I, I'm not one of these parents who go, I'll have my kid on there even if they can't sing. You know, right. it's like, she she earned it, you know. And I said to her, hey, this song's about you. You want to come in and sing some backing vocals with your dad on it? And she's like, yeah, okay. You know, as nonchalant and sort of on phase as kids are at that age. And she came into the studio and hung out with me, Keith and I that day. You know, Keith, a, a father himself and we had just a good old day hanging out with her and she, she, she did some killer vocals on it. And it was just a real super proud dad moment for me to have, have my little girl on, on the record, you know? That's cool. I bet she's going to be bragging to all her friends when uh, the album comes no, out. She's the, she's the total opposite. You know, she's 13 now. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, 13. Okay. You know, she's th- 13, 13. I mean, we're embarrassing right now. You know, like all kids are on, should be, Oh God, I'm on this. Her friends think it's really cool, but she's like, "Oh God, you know what are you? You know, because people are asking me about it." I said, "Hey, I'm talking about you in all these interviews." She, said, "What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying about me? You know, you know, you know what they're like at that age, man." So, That's funny. That's, so I think maybe in a few years she'll come around and appreciate it. I'm but, sure uh, she will. That's really funny. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, in addition to uh, "Time Doesn't Seem to Matter," which is the song you do with your daughter, uh, is there another track on there that? maybe means the most to you that you're excited for us to, for the world to hear? I mean, they're all really personal. I mean, I always write from the heart and from, I'm from, from the soul. So, um, you know, I always think of my songs as, as a personal diary of, of just of what I'm thinking and feeling when I'm writing that song. Um, you know, I mean, I'm touching on a song like, um, you know, I don't feel at home. It's touching on a, a member of my family that's struggled with addiction their whole life. And I sort of written for them again about them. Um, and, you know, so that's pretty close to home. Um, you know, a title track, When Life Was Hard and Fast, is about me growing up in, in East Belfast in Ireland when I was a kid and my dreams and my aspirations uh, before we had internet and cell phones and we used to play outside and get in fights and get dirty and dream of being, a you know, either a soccer player or in a rock and roll band. And, um, you know, so, it, yeah. I love it. I love it. Again, I, I, I've listened to the majority of it, I mean, I have I can listen to it at my leisure. It's great. That's what's that's what's Thank great you. sometimes about doing uh, interviews. Uh, it's you get to hear an album before anybody else does. But is uh, absolutely well. I'm so glad you dig it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of like surprises and you you don't expect, and just because 
especially with the the, the, the song with your daughter, just the pacing. I'm like, whoa, his voice can do that. Yeah, you know, so you know, it's a great story. Great story about that song, Brandon. That you know, I brought the song in, and and, and Keith and I, I, I had it pretty much finished, and Keith came up with a sort sort of couple of killer Keith Nelson, a couple of killer arrangement ideas, and I changed a couple of chords, and we demoed it. And the day we were going to demo it, I was in the studio and I had a really bad head cold. I mean, really bad. I can, you know, I can hardly speak. And Keith says, let's just demo this song. I went, oh man, do we have to do this today? We're not working guitars. I said, I don't really want to sing. He said, look, it's just a demo. Just sing it. So literally just threw the mic up in front of me and I sat and played it live, you know, acoustic and, and vocal in the one take. And if you listen to it, my voice cracks in the song a couple of times due to, due to the head cold. But it's kind of cool the way it cracks, you know? Mm. It kind of adds to the emotion of the song. So, you know, roll on six months, we're in the studio, we're, we're making the record for real, and, and he says, okay, let's do time, don't seem to matter, and we throw up the mics, and I sit there with the acoustic. Can't recreate it, can't get the same feeling, can't get the same vibe. We spent an afternoon on it, you know, the, the resonance of the cold was given my voice at the time. It wasn't there, you know? Huh. so. We sort of looked at each other, got to sort of six, seven o'clock in the evening, and, and we just sort of said, let's just keep the demo. And we, we, so the demo was actually on the finished album, and we just, we added the strength, and obviously added, Pepper came in, my daughter, and sang on it later. But the, 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 the core of the song is the, and the main vocal and the guitar is, is from the demo. Goes to show you, you just can't recreate things, you know? Like- no, and I think that's the beauty of making an album, but people realize to me, a lot of people, don't know when to walk away, you know, and spend months and years sometimes making a record. I think you're, yeah. catch, you're capturing a, You're capturing a moment. That's what you're capturing. You're capturing where you are at, at that time in your life. Right. And that's what I, I love about making records. You're capturing a, a feeling and an emotion and, and a moment. And I've spent, you know, I've been very lucky in doing this for over 30 years. I've made a, a bunch of records and I've been that thing where I've done this, 55 takes trying to think, oh, I'll get it. But it's usually the first first or second time that you play the damn thing that you get the best take because that's when you're most emotive and that's when you're most excited about, about playing the song. It's it's very hard to hard to beat that that um, emotion, you know? Yeah, you're not overthinking it uh, in, in a very, uh, not as cool as, a, not in as, as a, a cool of a way as being in a band and playing music, but it's kind of the same thing in radio. If I have to like pre-record a show, yeah, I mean, this is a podcast, sure. but I treat it like it's live. Let's just say if I interviewed right. you and I, I want to like re-record my questions, it would never come out as well. It's just not I as just organic. Wouldn't, wouldn't have the, you, you just wouldn't have the flow, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. Exactly. So um, I guess what is the come, which this is great. But what is the calm, I guess, with Black Star Writers? Are you guys, it's on hold. Like you had a new album. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. We're, we're, we're on hold. You know, we have written a new, a new record and it's demoed. I, I got the chance back in June when some of the restrictions here on the West Coast weren't as bad. Our guitar player, Christian Martucci, lives up in, up in Oregon in the middle of nowhere. And he has a studio up there. So, so I, got, I drove up and him and, I hung, him and I hung out for a week, just the two of us. And we were able to demo most of the ideas that we had. Uh, so it's demoed. You know, we're good to go. We just need to wait till we can all get together safely in a studio. Because we all live all over the place. So, you know, it's a question of flying Scott Gorham over from London and UK and, and, and chat our drummers up in Pennsylvania. And right now, it's just not safe for us all to be together in a studio. So I'm hoping by summer, we can get, get into a studio all together in LA and get the, get the thing recorded. That's great. 
You know, and it's something I was thinking about preparing for this uh, interview. And you're such a nice guy, so I don't know if I would. Thank you. You know what? What kind of a you know <laughs> uh, answer or just question? It's just I'm, I'm just thinking about it because a friend of the show, Alex Grassi, who's in Quieter Riot. And of course, we 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 just lost Frankie Benali. Uh, yeah, and Frankie gave him the blessing to keep on the name, and mm-hmm. you know, and Alex had had worked with you know. Quiet Riot before. He's been there for a while. And I'm just using that as an example. I mean, you can, sure. I mean, Paul Stanley sure. and, and Gene Simmons said Kiss can continue without any original sure. members. But you, sure. you know, you did the Thin Lizzy thing for a bit, but I guess out of, you know, out of respect, right? You, when you wanted to make new music, it became Black Star Writers. I mean, do you, is that a case by case basis? Is there, do you find like any sort of rule? You know, is, is there a rule with bands and band members and continuing? Because it's great that Scott, you know, Scott Gorham's making new yeah. music, but it's, you know, it's, well, you, know, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, we're still, we're, we're still doing Thin Lizzy. I mean, we just, we, we don't play that often. We play sort of every couple of years. We, okay. we do a bunch of shows. So it's still an ongoing thing. I mean, there's so many answers to that question. Sure. Um, the lead singer of Thin Lizzy is, is Phil Lynott. He's the lead singer of Thin Lizzy. End of story. I'm not. Nobody else ever will be. He is, in my opinion, possibly the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest rock and roll frontman ever. I grew up with Thin Lizzy being Irish, soundtrack of my life. When I got asked to, to sing those songs, that's the way I looked at it. I'm, you know, the, the, as we all know, people die. The music doesn't die. And those songs need to be heard and people need to hear those songs that never got to see Thin Lizzy and then go back and rediscover how great Phil is, how great those albums are. And, if it's about turning people on to that, then I think it's important and it's, it's vital. If somebody's coming in to do that and they're playing from the heart and the soul and they're giving it their all, I think it's great and they're good at it. If somebody's doing it for the money, you can smell it a mile away. Sure. You can stink, you can smell it. And then it becomes redundant and it becomes crass and, and it, it shouldn't be done. But, I've tried to approach it with as much humility and honor as I possibly can because I'm a fan. And people go, well, you know, those are really big shoes to, shoes to stand in. I went, I don't stand in those shoes. You can't stand. I said, you know, the closest I can get is maybe I'll stand beside him. Mm. I hope some of the man's greatness rubs off on me and, 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 and what, I'm, what I'm doing. You know, when I close my eyes, uh, I don't see me singing with Ben Lizzie. I see Phil singing with Ben Lizzie because that's how it should be. I've just been given the songs. I've been given those wonderful songs to keep those songs going and keep playing those songs and keep those songs alive. And there'll always be people that are no Phil, no Lizzie, and I don't get it and I don't want anything to do with it, you know. And I get that and I respect that, but people die. That's what happens. That's a part of life. But I would, if I passed on, I would love my, I want my music to be sung and played by other people after I'm gone. That's why I created it. It's a legacy. Mm. Do you want your music to die when you know, I don't want to really listen to my music again. When I'm gone, that's it. That doesn't make sense. That defeats the whole, pur- the whole purpose of art. And the greatest thing that ever happened to me was the first time we played Dublin, Phil's hometown. His mom came to the show, Philomena. And I was so nervous and so freaked out that she was going to be there for all, for all the obvious reasons. And she was up in one of the boxes. We played this great old theater called the Olympia Theater in Dublin, beautiful theater. And Phil's mom was in one of the boxes. And I could see her out of the corner of my eyes during the show. And I, I, you know, I just, I couldn't look at her because it would have just freaked me out. It's Phil's hometown. It's, it's, it's hallowed turf. 
I had no idea how this was going to go. The show went amazingly well. And I looked up in the balcony at the end of the show and she was on her feet and she was applauding and she was in tears. Mm. And I'm like, okay, she, she, she likes it. Show finishes. I'm backstage. There's an after show. I walk into the after show. Philomena's sitting at the table and she instantly beckons me over to her. And I'm just like, oh man, oh God, you know, this is, oh, this is so heavy. And I'm, I'm feeling very emotional at this point. And she stands up and she hugs me and she says, you know what? She says, my Philip would have loved that. Mm. He would have loved every minute of that. She says, the soul and the power and the passion that you put into his songs, he would have been so proud to hear those songs. Now, Brian, I burst into tears. I was so overcome with emotion. And that was all the validation that I needed right there and then for doing what I was doing and singing Phil's songs. Didn't matter what anybody else says after that. That was the validation that I needed. And she was such a wonderful woman. I sat and talked to her for quite a while. And it was, it was, it was life affirming and it was, it was life changing. And I walked out of that thing, just, you know, any doubts that I had that I shouldn't be doing this or whatever, she made me feel okay about the whole thing. And she didn't have to, but she did. And, uh, it's just, it's one of those moments that I'll take them agree with me. It was, it, it was just wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. That's a, that's a oh, you're welcome, wonderful bro. story. You know? Yeah. I, I hear you. I mean, that's, that's how I feel about, uh, you know, Queen right now with Adam Lambert, you know, it's, he it's, does an amazing job. I know. Yes, we, it's, it's not Freddie. And I never it's experienced Freddie, but, but I would never hold no, that against. I want to go see that. No. So, yeah. So right on. I just wanted yeah. to get your, your viewpoint because, you know, being friendly. Sorry, that was a bit of a long, a long winded, winded oh, answer, it was but great. it's something I feel, I, I feel passionately about. And, you know, believe me as a Lizzie fan, if it felt wrong or didn't feel right, I wouldn't do it. Sure. I absolutely wouldn't do it. You know? Sure. And that's how I, I yep. feel because when you read, um, you know, I follow these these news rock sites where people, you know, sure. it's, it's the internet, leave comments. And when a lot of the new news came out about new uh, Quiet Riot and, and me knowing Alex Grassi and, and knowing his relationship sure. with sure. Kevin DeBro and, you know, yep. getting blessings from, uh, you know, uh, Frankie's, uh, I think from Kevin's mom and from Frankie. So it's like uh-huh. people, people need yeah. to hear that music. So same thing obviously goes for, for, for Thin Lizzy. And and, Absolutely. and and yeah, well, we're not gonna get, we're not gonna plan anyone to play your music just yet. You're alive for a lot longer <laughs> to play your. You know. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I can stay alive for a bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So uh, again, since my information uh, is wrong, uh, when life was hard and fast comes out February what again? I'm sorry. February February nineteenth, Brandon. Yep. February nineteenth. Awesome. Well, I'm certainly gonna remind my my listeners when it comes out. And, and Ricky, I can't thank you enough for your. For your time, you were great. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely, really enjoyed it. I hope we get to do this again. And uh, obviously, for sure. Know, if in studio is ever a thing again, we'll, we'll do that. Sounds good, my friend. Be safe, be well, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. What a really nice dude. I think everyone from Ireland that I've spoken to through this podcast is like beyond nice. You know, from, from Sir Kev to, to, to Ricky, of course, right now, and, and Jason. Uh, who I read the the comment before, uh, uh, Bouvard. See, I, I'm just terrible. Yeah, I've been uh, in the radio industry. I mean, I'm going to include college because, uh, you know, Hofstra where I went is just the radio program is like legit. So I'm approaching 20 years, I think, believe this fall in the industry. And 
man, whenever I got to read names and stuff, I still suck at it. So, uh, Newtonards, Newtonards in Northern Ireland. But, uh, you know, I, I commented on his comment that, you know, visiting, which is true, uh, visiting Ireland is on my bucket list. And he writes, don't delay once this uh, shit is over. Come, uh, he wants to come to the States, LA, do the old guns hangouts and also New York. So I, I hear that a lot too from you actually uh, out there wanting to visit the, the, you know, the, the famous Guns N' Roses spots. I live in the States and I've yet to do that. I've yet to go to California. That is, yeah, a lot of stuff is going to happen once this, as I'm pointing to the pandemic, <laughs> uh, gets somewhat uh, under control. It's something else that I really want to do when the pandemic is under control, honestly, is go ghost hunting. Something that I've always wanted to do. Years ago, I was supposed to do this with a friend of mine on the radio and the plans fell through and I've always just kind of been like, oh, I want another chance. So with that in mind, let's bring in our second guest from Ghost Nation on Discovery and the new documentary, The House in Between and Guns N' Roses fan, of course, Steve Gonzalez. Hello, Steve. Brennan. Yes, it is. Hey. Hey, Brennan. It's Steve. How are you doing? Hey, Steve. How are you? I pre- right on time. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Fun. Yeah, of course. Uh, obviously, this is a bit, I don't know if this is random for you, you know, to do a, a Guns N' Roses podcast, because I'm sure you obviously do many a paranormal podcast, a horror podcast, but something I, I, I like to do is just to get the random person and talk about Guns N' Roses. I can't interview rock stars all the time. And there's a sure. and there's a nice mix, I think, the the rock world and the paranormal uh, worlds. You know, Slash is certainly uh, super into horror. And I was just looking up in preparation of this, the certain rock stars that believe and have had encounters with ghosts. You know, like uh, oh yeah, Brett Michaels and Alice Cooper and, and Marilyn Manson. So I guess let's let me ask you. Uh, let's start here. Like, how much? Because you were excited to come on because you were like, oh, I just listened to Stephen Adler's book on like a road trip. So you're you're a rocker in addition to uh, a paranormal expert. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, metal, you know, mostly, but, uh, my whole life, of course, uh, rock and metal and, and punk rock and all that, uh, on a few recent, uh, just going to Florida, I listened to a few actually, I knocked out, uh, Joe Perry's. I got, uh, uh Stephen Piercy from Rat just actually put out a book not too long ago. Okay, yeah. I had him on uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, I listened to that. His book was actually a sleeper for me. I didn't think I was going to really dig it as much as I did. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I'll, I play drums, so I've okay. been in bands my, my whole life and uh, uh, I've had some run-ins with, with a lot of musicians. Uh, you know, I've done a few things with uh, Corey Taylor from, from Slipknot. I, I've... Uh, Bumped into Alice Cooper a few times and even have talked at a few theaters after he has, and he's left a few messages on like mirrors for me and things like that. Um, Meatloaf has been on our show a few times, uh, which is, is fun. So I have some, you know, some mix ins with, with the music world, but I definitely a fan, have a, a baseline knowledge. You know, I can talk music, but uh, I'm not, you know, uh, an aficionado necessarily. Do you ever. Uh, I mean, even though I'm the one with the podcast, I feel the same way. I mean, they're, they're, my listeners are smarter than I am, but you know, <laughs> I know enough, I guess, to host a podcast uh, about it. But, 
I'm, I'm intrigued to talk to you because I've always, I've said to my listeners, you know, uh, one of my dreams is not just to interview, uh, interview Slash, but to talk to him about horror, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I will, I'm going to quote my, my friend, Maddie B, who does radio up in Cape Cod, you know, as far as the, the paranormal goes. Okay. It's like, I want to believe, but I have yet to personally experience that physical, I guess, contact, you know, so- uh, I guess when was the first time, you know, just to get a brief history that you had, I guess, a physical contact uh, with someone from another realm? Because it's, it's, again, I'm fascinated. Uh, to be completely honest, I had the, the, the Ghost Nation Marathon on yesterday on the Travel Channel in preparation. Uh-huh. I'm like, I, in a way, I'm like, is it weird? Am I weird that I'm jealous that I have yet to have any of these experiences? I'm jealous of people that I know or on TV on your show that have met a ghost or in some fashion. I'm like, what about me? I feel, I don't know. Yeah, you, you, well, you, you're, you're, you're probably not looking for it quite as, as much as we are. You know, we're a bit more, uh, you know, open to that experience in terms of just accessibility, going to places that are supposedly uh, haunted and, and dealing with families that, you know, think they have that, that going on. But, you know, out of everything that we come across, we, we are able to, you know, disprove, I would say, about 80% of the claims and, and stories and, and, and even, you know, full cases. If we go on, huh. you know, uh, eight or 10 cases, uh, we probably won't find much at, at four or five of them. You know, it's just the, the nature of how things happen. But uh, in terms of, you know, having your own experience, uh, it, it may happen. You know, we don't know what their interpretation of, of time and space is. You know, what is, you know, 40 years here could be just a thought there. We, we really don't know. Uh, we don't even know where there is. You know? so, uh, there's not. Uh, yeah. So how do we measure that? Uh, science, you know, seems to point towards more of a multidimensional type of uh, model when it comes to the, the paranormal. Um, and, you know, as uh, fringe sort of investigators, I tend to think it's maybe a little more steeped in the human experience, such as, you know, people that were once living and, and have passed and are still here for whatever reason. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, that's why I like your approach because uh, I'm a man of science and you are attacking it from the most scientific way possible, which is a lot of, you know, just a process of elimination. And then when you can't explain what's left over, it's just, you know, it drive it's got, it drives me crazy. It's like, Oh, I want to, you know, I want one of those experiences, but to t- obviously to talk, and I, I know people have poor experiences with uh, the supernatural as well. You know, again, I, I'm into horror. I've seen a uh, poltergeist. So I, I, I don't know. I, I say I want to meet a ghost and maybe I'll change my mind. But to <laughs> to, uh, to kind of cross both the worlds here, yours and uh, the theme of the, the podcast, I know it was said in jest. It was a few years ago when uh, Guns N' Roses got back together, or I should say Axel Slash and Duff. And they were, it was, I believe it was a show in Houston and people met like the new Axel, the nice Axel. Like when things would go wrong, he didn't throw a fit and cancel the show. So he was playing November rain and all of a sudden you just hear these random keys being played. It was very awkward. And he just said, stop. He has a smile on his face. He's like, what the fuck is that? You know? And he makes a comment about ghosts. So I actually have a, it's a short clip that, uh, you know, try, I'm trying to add a bit of a production to the podcast. Stop. Sure. What the fuck was that? 
So he doesn't mind ghosts or gremlins, but they should learn okay. the, they should learn the fucking song. So I thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> I guess my question to you be, have you ever heard of that um you know uh, a, a spirit I'm trying to think of the best way to to put it uh, a spirit to be I know you hear houses, but possess a, a musical instrument. Have you heard that? Is that a story that maybe Alice Cooper has told you or Meatloaf, a piano or guitar, anything like that? You know, the, I haven't heard specific stories uh, of that necessarily. Okay. Um, but there is uh, a whole type of haunting where objects can be haunted. Uh, it's called an attachment. Uh, so for instance, if, if uh, you know, B.B. King, you know, if, if uh, what I think his guitar is named Lucille, right? Yes. If, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if she's, you know, he played that guitar every day. He loved it. He cherished it. You know, there is a, a chance that, um, you know, somebody could be attached to an object. It's usually through uh, strong emotions, whether it's, you know, tragic or, you know, love and devotion. Um, so, you know, that that can certainly happen. Absolutely. Um, I can't think of any stories to relate it to musicians, you know, uh, specifically. Um, but yeah, an attachment is it, something that can happen with inanimate objects. That still in itself uh, is fast fascinating. Again, to tie it to my horror brain, now I'm just thinking of like Annabelle or things like that. But I don't want to want to think about that. I want to think about Lucille being uh, haunted in a the best positive way. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love horror movies, so I'm I'm down to talk horror, horror movies too. Uh, most of my tattoos are, are horror movie based. Um, pretty yeah. right on. So what is and as far you know since I've seen so many horror and I've and you know, I've talked about uh, horror a lot because um, when it ties in not just with with Slash uh, Del James. I mean there are rumors with I know Slash has produced some horror movies. I don't. There are rumors that he may be doing something with Stephen King. I, I don't know if I'm making that up. Um, we'll see what happens, but what film, like movies have you seen that really get the paranormal experience, right? There's a lot out there. I mean, more than just like, I'm not talking just like Blair Witch, you know, something that maybe on underground that you're like, you know what? These people experienced it. These, these, they got it right on camera. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, and one that I don't get asked as often as I, I thought I would, but, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's, Kind of funny because first off, you can think uh, Ghostbusters, you yeah. know, and, and as well as it, you know, is overblown and, and kind of crazy. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is is somebody who is a paranormal investigator, believes in in the supernatural. His parents were very famous paranormal investigators. True, yeah. and it, yeah, and so he he brought a lot of that terminology and, and a lot of that methodology you know, from his parents and the way they would investigate to that movie. And that that's true. Um, you know, ectoplasm is a phenomenon that some researchers chase around and, you know, are you going to come across Slimer and things like that? Absolutely not. Um, but some of that slow moving, you know, methodical questioning, even in the beginning with those cards, you know, those are Ryan research center cards, the beginning of that movie with, and, you know, Peter Venkman, and he's holding up the card saying, can you see this? You know, there- Oh, yeah. A couple of wavy lines, and he kept shocking the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but aside from that, you know, uh, poltergeist, the way the investigators approach it, 
very slowly and, and they just have these handheld and they set up if you'll notice they even set up a bit of a command center like we do right. currently nowadays where they have the cameras they have a, a, a spot that they sort of work out of uh, they are trying to look at other scenarios you know and even when they are approaching the room you know they they say out loud you know, we have caught some interesting things. You know, over the course of four hours, we saw a truck move two inches, like, you know, through time-lapse photography, and then he opens the door and everything's going crazy, you know. So uh, the way they are acting and approaching it is actually pretty close to, to real life uh, until they open up that door and stuff, you know, starts flying through the air. Right. Um, the, the innkeepers from, from Thai, uh, Thai West. That was a great um, movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, but you know the, the way they just sort of sat in the hallway there with their recorders and just listening and jotting down notes and stuff. You know that reminded me of the early days before TV. You know when you were fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, just plopping yourself in you know supposedly haunted places and, and doing what you can do. Um, so there are some movies that, that touch into it. You, you know the Conjuring and all of that are, are just you know you you would never take that as a, a realistic depiction of, of anything. Right on. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you mentioned, because you're right, obviously, about Ghostbusters, and I, I sometimes I forget that, that, yeah, how much uh, Dan Aykroyd was actually invested in the paranormal and his family. And you just sometimes, and you think about, yeah, of course, the Ghostbusters and the State Puff and Marshmallow Man, but you, you know, all that aside, <laughs> you know, the, the formatics of it, yeah, you're right, and Poltergeist is pretty, that makes it even scarier how accurate that that could be. You know, or at least part oh, yeah. of how they approached it. It's great. And you reminded me, now I got to go watch the Innkeepers. Innkeepers. I haven't watched that in a while. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that was really fun. That, that movie, you know, kind of took me by surprise. You know, I, I liked House of the Devil and all, you know, some yeah. of the other movies and whatnot. And I saw that and I was like, you know what? That was actually a pretty fun little ride. And, and I was kind of impressed at the way that, you know, it's of course bare bones, just ghost hunting, you know. Um, they weren't investigating, but, you know, it reminded me of, of what we would do when we were 15, 16, 17, you know, and just trying to find these things when, when people wouldn't take you seriously, you know, you, that's what you did. Awesome. And can you tell, cause it, you're, you're, uh, I wouldn't call it a movie. It's a documentary. So can you tell us about your new documentary, uh, the house in between? Yeah. The house in between, um, it's, it's, uh, it is a paranormal documentary for sure. Um, but it's more about the human experience, you know, what someone goes through when they're dealing with a haunting, you know, what it, uh, how it affects society, how it works, uh, you know, and, and how people look at uh, this woman's name is Alice Jackson, you know, how people look at her from the outside, you know, there is a stigma attached to it. And it focuses quite a bit on that, which is something that, mm you know, hadn't been showcased in a documentary, you know, long format before. But by telling that story, we end up getting some, you know, really, really awesome uh, narratives in, in terms of, uh, you know, how people see this, the scientific community. We, we sat down, it took me uh, a solid year to get, um, you know, two physicists that would talk to me on camera about, you know, the paranormal. And, uh, I went through maybe 40 uh, physicists, 40 or 50, just, and they were very gracious on the phone. Uh, but once it got to, hey, you know, I put a camera in front of you, oh, no, 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 no way. Because um, they don't want to be getting, associated with that because of the stigma, 
right? Right. That that's a big part of it, you know. And another part of it is they they just don't believe in it, you know. And, and uh, I thought it was important to leave that in the documentary, so you'll even see that side of it where. You know, I sit down with a physicist and he, I ask him, you know, do you believe in ghosts? And, and the first thing he says to me, he chuckles and he's like, no, I'm, I'm a scientist. You know, I believe in science. Uh, I don't believe in ghosts. But uh, by talking to him, I actually sort of reaffirmed some theories that we had always bounced around in, in the paranormal world. And, you know, to have a, a panel of physicists tell me like, yeah, uh, mountains and rocks formations can hold energy and release it. We see it all the time. We do it ourselves in experiments. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe there is something to that stone tape theory we've been kicking around for 30 years, that sort of thing. So uh, the documentary does get quite scary. You know, it is in there, but, you know, my, my thought going into it was it, it's scary because it's real. I don't want to paint it scary. Uh, let's just show what happens in real life, and, and that's it. Um, but it's called The House in Between, and luckily uh, it has done quite well. Um, and uh, it's still out there, and uh, it, it's a, I'm quite proud of it, um, but it, it's about the human experience and, and what people who are dealing with a haunting go through and the stigma attached to them. I like that approach. I liked your approach to, to all of it, the showing both sides, the people who obviously believe and the people that, that don't in the, the scientific approach to it all, and, and yeah, showing the stigma to it. Cause yeah, you can get plenty of ghost stories. I mean, Netflix is full of them, but it's, it's the people aspect of it. And I, I, I that's definitely going to, um, well, how is that not relatable? Cause we're all people. <laughs> we want to know, right. you know, and, Absolutely. Uh, and I put it out there on social media before I had you on. And it was just a, a question, you know, again, it's a, you know, mainly rock GNR uh, audience, although I'm pretty good at, you know, uh, casting a wide net. And, and, and using my six degrees of, uh, of GNR bacon, as I call it. And it was about, <laughs> it was about like 50-50, you know, people saying that they believe and people saying that they've had experiences and people flat out saying no. So, um, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, I, I want to believe. So if there's ever a, a time where the stars align and I can go ghost hunting with you, I will, I will go. <laughs> I was supposed to do yeah. that on the radio in a different life, but uh, it just fell through. And that's something I've always really wanted to do. I laugh now. Maybe I'll, you know, have that experience. I'll, I'll cry, pee myself a little bit, but at least I'll have that, I'll have that experience. You know? I've done all of those things. So no, <laughs> sure. no worries. Sorry. I, I, sometimes I can't help but think of the South park. I, I don't think they were making fun of you guys. I, it was, I think it was just ghost hunters in general about. No, it was us. Oh, uh, it was, us. Oh, it was yeah. you guys. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that It I was our show. Ghost Hunters. <laughs> they used our music and everything. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm laughing yeah. at your expenses now. I mean, obviously I like you too, you know, and so, but it's, yeah, no, don't, uh, don't, don't they, they got in touch with us ahead of time and, and worked it all out, made sure we weren't going to be offended. And, oh, wow. You know, they had to get permission to use the music and, and all of that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> they've been, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was it was very funny, you know. We we all kind of laughed about it, but they definitely, yeah. In that South Park episode, they they showed them peeing and, and crapping their pants. Right <laughs> <out of> the <laughs> hey, that's oh, a badge God. of honor, I think, to be. Uh, of course, yeah. absolutely. That's I mean, to for the paranormal world to you know even make a a, a nip at, at pop culture was mm. was pretty intense for us. Uh, so yeah, that was awesome. That's cool. Well, thank you, Steve. Continued success. Uh, again, the, the documentary is the house in between. You can go to the house in between 
Steve Steve Gonzalez is on all of our social media. And uh, I hope we get to, to do this again. Maybe, you know, when GNR tours, maybe slashes Les Paul will get haunted and we can talk about that. Hey, uh, please. I'll see you at a concert and, and then uh, we'll also see you at an investigation, some abandoned asylum somewhere. Oh, I love it. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. Thank you, Steve. That was, that was fun. I hope you had a lot of fun uh, listening to that as I did having that conversation with, with Steve, especially, I mean, the South Park thing. <laughs> Good for him being, to be able to, to laugh at himself. Oh, those South Park guys. I got to get, oh man, that's a bucket list. There's plenty of crossover there. You know, Vonda Slash, you know, they've, they've referenced, you know, Slash a few times on South Park. I don't think they, uh, they've done anything with Axel or GNR specifically. I think it's all been uh, it's just slash, but still, wow. Yeah, they got Matt Stone or Trey Parker. Ooh, I got to look into that. All right. Uh, so let's wrap up this episode while I look into how to, how to make that happen. So thanks again for hanging out on another edition of the Six Degrees of GNR Bacon, looking at life through Guns N' Roses colored glasses and this uh, Guns N' Roses-themed bar mitzvah party of a broadcast. Thanks for hanging out. However you listen on iHeartRadio through our YouTube channel, uh, please follow and subscribe wherever you listen. If you can leave a comment, if you could rate us, please do. Same thing on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show. Instagram, appetite for distortion. However you want to reach me, you know, because many of you do not just comment on the, the, the conversation that continues in between the podcasts, but we, we talk about guns and roses. You, you slide into my DMs as the kids say, but you know, it's, it's nothing sexy time. It's just Guns N' Roses time. So <laughs> it's the welcome kind of, uh, of DM. So until the next episode, who will be the guest? When will you see it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know. As soon as the word. No! No! Yeah! Thanks to the lame ass security. I'm going home.